And as Elisha said, thus saith the Lord, we point men to Jesus. We point men to our Lord Jesus. And he has the power. And as we bring sinners to trust in Jesus, there is power to change them and deliver them from the grip of sin. Now, the last point tonight is that when we perform or do gospel ministry, we must expect permanent healing. And the good news is that that land was wonderfully healed that day. And it says there in um, verse 22, so the waters were healed unto this day. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I trust that you'll spend the next 30 minutes with us as we let the Bible speak on healing the cursed waters. We're looking at 2 Kings chapter 2, the prophet Elisha, the man who was the double miracle worker after Elijah. And this is exciting stuff, and I trust that you'll stay with us right through the broadcast today. We also will be having our five minutes of righteousness, exalt of the nation. And I trust that you will be burdened for the youth of this country that need the Lord. Now stay tuned with us for our message on healing the cursed waters. And of course, there are social gospels and social ministries that address the symptoms, but they don't go to the cause. Human psychology, I'll put that into that bracket as well. The study of human nature, behavioral patterns, sociology, and all of those things that study really the symptoms. But the gospel must go to the source And the source of man's problem is not his environment, is not his own heritage or his own upbringing. The source is the corruption of his own heart. And that's where the sin arises. That's where the sinful nature stems. And sin in the heart ruins And so if you would be saved from sin, if you would be delivered from all the corruption and the horrible issues of sin in your life, you need a gospel that goes to the very source of the problem. And that is what Christ does. That's what the gospel does. I think of one gospel text, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is is eternal life. And you will see in that text where you have the problem and the remedy that the gospel goes straight to the issues. And if men are to be delivered and changed and blessed, they need to deal with the issue of the heart. And the Lord must change the heart. And there needs to be the the power of the gospel applied. That brings me to what Elisha did next, because when he went to that water source and he requested for salt to be given, you will see here that, and we learn this lesson, gospel ministry 
must be applied to the source. Uh, He asked for a new cruise. Verse 20 tells us that. And so we see here his insistence for purity, and the salt, if it's going to be effective, needs to be pure, doesn't need to be corrupted in some way itself. And dare I take a moment here and preach the sinless nature of Christ? This is why Christ is the answer to the corruption of sin in the world, because he is pure. He is sinless. And when we're talking about fixing the problem of sin, we're talking about bringing sinners to the sinless Savior, that they may be healed by the one in whom there is no sin, like as this new cruise. And then we are told that Elisha himself, he took the vessel of salt, and he went to the edge of the water spring, and he himself cast the salt into the waters. Look at verse 21. And he went forth unto the spring of the waters and cast the salt in. There's application. The salt had to come into contact with the corruption of the waters. And this is fully in line with what must be done in the hearts of men. It's not enough to know about Jesus. It's not enough to learn Bible verses even. It's not enough to have head knowledge. There needs to be a heart application of the message of the gospel to hearts. And if I I put it this way, your sin problem must come into contact with the victory of Christ. That's the answer. That's the the solution here. And his atoning death, with all its virtue and all its power, must, by grace, by faith, by the Holy Spirit, by your own claiming and coming, your sin nature needs to be brought to the cross. And only then, by that application of the blood and the gospel, will all the curse and all the problems be dealt with. Now, I major on the cross here because as this ground was cursed, the Lord Jesus became a curse for us. Galatians 3.13, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Our Lord Jesus made himself a curse for us. He addressed the curse, the fall, the sinful nature of men, and thereby he came to turn the hearts of men to himself. But the cross will do you no good. The atoning work of Calvary will be powerless in your life unless you're brought into contact. The application is very, very important. Now, the application is described in the gospel in various ways. Um, If we have uh, no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And that's why in gospel ministry, it's always important to get the individual to recognize that this is a sin problem. Because if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And we are not now open to the remedy. You cannot have the application of the cross to the heart, to the life, without the confession 
I have sinned. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. There is the washing, the cleansing power of Jesus' blood. Of course, also application is described as justification. We are justified by faith. And as we, by faith, look away from ourselves, look unto Jesus, trusting in him, we're declared righteous. We are justified. And again, that's application. And so the cross and its meaning, its power, its cleansing— is applied to your heart by faith, and you're declared righteous. And then back to that other text, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And there you can see the answer, the application. The gift of God is eternal life. And so the power of the Lord needs to be worked into your life. Just as Elisha took that cruise of salt, and personally poured it into the corrupt waters. That application has to take place in your life. Now, by that, you can determine if you're a Christian tonight. You can determine whether you're really saved or whether you are just a hearer. And there is a difference. There are many who hear but do not believe. And there are many who hear but do not receive the life-giving, saving power of the Lord in the heart. Now, I move on here in Elisha's miracle, and I see that gospel ministry must depend, of course, on the power of the Lord. Now, remember the first thing that Elisha said, and he cried out in the middle of verse 21, thus saith the Lord. Now, Elisha was an Old Testament prophet, and he worked in the power and in the name of of the Lord Jesus. And there was no doubt in Elisha's mind, and there was no doubt in the people's mind whose power was at work in this miracle. It was not the man's power, but it was the power of Jehovah. You'll notice L-O-R-D, uppercase Jehovah, is referred to there in verse 21. The power was the Lord's. It was not the crew's, even though it was a new cruise, and even though it was clean and uh, not contaminated. And, of course, it was not the salt itself. The salt was an agent, and we know that in places salt has cleansing power. It's not the first time wounds were cleansed with salt, and people try to uh, fumigate with salt. It has certainly various power itself. But this itself was not the power. It was, as Elisha demonstrated and was careful to demonstrate, thus saith the Lord, these waters are healed. Now, the great difference in our Lord Jesus when he did miracles in the world, that he did miracles in his own name. The Lord Jesus did not do as prophets did to pronounce, thus saith the Lord, Jesus himself spoke the word, I say unto you, and the power of God was mightily wrought. And so his miracles were always in his own power. And that's very important to know. 
And we are dealing now not with an Old Testament prophet. We're dealing with a living Savior to whom is given all power in heaven and on earth and has power in him to work the miracle of the gospel in many, many hearts. Let's turn to John 5 and to verse 21, and we will learn here of the divine power that is in the Lord himself. John 5 and verse 21. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son, he quickeneth whom he will. This is our Savior. This is the one that we're worshiping tonight. This is the one in whom we're trusting for eternal life. He's got the same life-giving power as the Father. And as you read down this passage, you will see many like statements that he is equal to the Father. Verse 22, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. And verily, verily, I say unto you. Notice that. Jesus wrought miracles in his own name, and he taught in his own name. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you. He did not pronounce, Thus saith the Lord. They are as coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. But as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Now, for those who are interested in evangelism, and you're trying to witness to the uh, unconverted, unsaved person, and you're trying to show them the power, the deity, the equality of the Lord Jesus with the Father, these are key verses. John 5, remember them. John 5, Jesus has the power to make men alive. Let's quote that rhyme. John 5, Jesus has the power to make men alive. He has this power in himself. And that, of course, is the power of the gospel unto salvation. And that's why we preach there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And as Elisha said, thus saith the Lord, we point men to Jesus. We point men to our Lord Jesus. And he has the power. And as we bring sinners to trust in Jesus, there is power to change them and deliver them from the grip of sin. Now, the last point tonight is that when we perform or do gospel ministry, We must expect permanent healing. And the good news is that that land was wonderfully healed that day. And it says there in um, verse 22, So the waters were healed unto this day. And as I mentioned, the author probably lived around the time of Jeremiah. And that would bring you to the period of around 536 Ahab would have lived in somewhere the 800s, so maybe 300 years. Ballpark uh, calculations here. 
but maybe 300 years. So 300 years after Elisha healing these waters and thereby curing the land, Jericho blossomed. Now, if you go on Google and you look for pictures and video of Jericho today, it is lush. Now, I know some people have been there. What a wonderful thing to go there and see it. But Jericho to this day is a thriving city. I looked at some of the buildings. They are, uh, some of them at least, of colonial architecture, uh, stone buildings, permanent buildings, signs of prosperity, markets and palm trees that are, they're not like the little palm trees you see around here. I've got neighbors and they try to, to grow a palm tree and they ripe burlap, wrap burlap and, 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 and plastic around them to keep the frost out. But those palm trees are tall and I'm sure they're lush and bountiful. It's the right place. And of course, it's a place of perpetual springs. It is a palm springs in its own right. Great water supply. And the land is good. And what Elisha performed was certainly a permanent miracle. It's a great place for tourism. You can go to a house that they claim was the house of Zacchaeus. And of course, in the day of Christ, Jericho was a great place to live. It was a pleasant place, and it was a prosperous place. And Zacchaeus, what did he do? He climbed up a tree. It says in our Bible, a sycamore tree. But I have my questions about this English translation. Sycamores grow in England, not in, in, in Israel, to my knowledge, unless someone transplanted them. And what if he was up a palm tree? Could you imagine the, the, the view that he would have had? All to tell us the permanency of the healing. When we do gospel ministry, when we preach this gospel, we expect the effects of the gospel to last. This gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, for therein is the righteousness of God. And of course, the healing being permanent. We have eternal life now. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. We have assurance of sins forgiven. Heaven is born in our souls. The old nature is now at least weakened, and the new nature is growing, and we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And of course, we know that when we get to heaven, there is no more curse. There will be no curse there. The effects of sin will never be in heaven. And we're headed for that land where there will be no more curse. And so what Jesus does for us is very like what Elisha did for this land at Jericho. So what about your salvation? Do you recognize tonight that by nature, by your own folly and your own wickedness, you are under the curse of sin? Do you recognize that you need to be saved, that you need a Savior? You need to be cured there's only one person to go to. There's only one name under heaven given among men. Not Elisha anymore, but our Lord Jesus, the Savior. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And he's the one to cure the heart. He's the one to take away the corruption and to give you a righteousness, perfection that you need for glory 
where there will be no more curse. His gospel is permanent, everlasting life. And you need, you need the application. You need this salt. If I may draw the picture again of Elisha pouring the salt right into the waters, the application of it. You need the blood of Jesus. You need the gospel to be poured into your life. And when that gospel meets your heart and your soul, you are saved. Saved today, saved tomorrow, and saved for eternity. This is the gospel that we preach. And praise God, it is the power of God. And the Lord is your keeper. What about it tonight? I wonder, are you a church person or a Christian? Are you a religious person? Or are you one that is truly redeemed by the blood of Jesus? I would say this to you. If you've never prayed for the blood of Jesus to be applied to your heart, you're not a Christian. That, that's me being very honest, because I want to see you saved. If you've never asked for that blood of Jesus to be applied to your heart, whatever you have in the name of religion does not cut it. It does not save you. And maybe it still shows in your life. The corruption is still there. The curse is still upon you. When I stand before the judgment seat of Christ and that judgment light is shone upon my life, what am I depending on? The blood of Jesus. That's my hope. And the righteousness he gives. That's my hope. Not my religion. Not my own works. I'm not serving God to be saved. But I have the privilege of serving God because I am saved. And that's the difference between a Christian and someone who is depending on works. And I fear that someone tonight, you're depending on works. Works, church, baptism, religiosity, but it doesn't take away the corruption of your heart. You need the blood of Jesus to be saved. Faith in the blood. And when you pray that prayer, then the miracle happens. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak. Stay tuned with us for five minutes of Righteousness Exalteth a Nation. Today we want to talk about mercy for youth of our land. As a pastor, I am very alarmed for the youth of our country who are being destroyed by the drug world. Just today again, I had a father on the phone crying for help to rescue his teenage son from drugs and suicide. As never before, kids from even Good and godly homes are being lured into doping. Some dabble in it and learn to hate it, but a great number are falling prey to its destructive powers. The new powerful drugs are fentanyl, which has the power to kill with a little grain-sized powder. Those who sell these drugs are ruthless murderers, for they know only too well they are dealing in death. Deaths have occurred from the very first ingestion of this drug. Even first responders who somehow ingest a little dust from their gloves have needed emergency treatment. Sadly, this is not just happening on the back streets of our cities. It is happening in million-dollar homes and hotel suites. It is killing the rich and successful, as well as the troubled and disadvantaged. There is also an alarming number of people hooked on these drugs through doctors' prescription pills, 
giving out for pain relief. The stats show that the number of fentanyl prescriptions in our society has climbed steeply. It seems that for years, few doctors realized the high risk of administering such drugs. There is a sinister side to this plague of drugs in our society that has created a culture of death. It is as if all discernment has been taken away. One would think that as soon as the word is out that these powerful drugs are killing thousands upon thousands of people, that the alarm would go off that this stuff is pure poison and to be avoided. But people don't seem to care for their own lives, just as the drug dealers don't care who they kill. How do we explain this dark interest in drugs in what we glean from the Bible? It surely tells us that the Bible is correct, that the heart of man is deceitfully and wicked above all things who can know it. It is a desperately deep sin problem in human nature. The Bible is right that man without God cannot find real satisfaction. The Bible also tells us that Satan is a murderer from the beginning. This state of affairs is ripe for the devil to destroy souls. In John 10, verse 10, the Bible says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and heareth the sheep, and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. In Christ and the gospel rests hope for our nation. We need to repent of the sin of our generation, and turn again unto God. We fear that this may be God's judgment, where he gives people over to the evil of their ways. And it is young people who suffered due to their rebellion to God. To parents, I would say, cling to Christ and to the gospel of the cross. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Redemption and reconciliation to God through the blood of Christ is still the power of God. God still saves and saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. It is time for God's people to awaken to the death throes within our society, and turn back to God for mercy and deliverance for the rising generation that know not the Lord. It is time to pray for God to make the gospel great again, to turn his people to walk again in the paths of righteousness. For righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Proverbs fourteen twenty four. Christ is our righteousness. He is our Savior from sin. He saves from its guilt, its power, and one day from its presence. Trust Him to save your soul from your sin. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to 
tbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast, and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music.